Welcome to Cordell and Cordell's Men's Divorce Podcast, moderated by managing partner and CEO Scott Trout, bringing you information for guys before, during, and after divorce, and everything related to family law. This podcast is not to be taken as legal advice, and no attorney-client relationship is established. Hey, welcome to the Men's Divorce and Cordell and Cordell podcast. I'm Scott Trout, Managing Partner, CEO of Cordell and Cordell, and we continue to bring you great topics across the spectrum of family law, and today is no different. I'm joined by Christian Scordos up in Indiana. Welcome, Christian. Good. Uh, happy Friday. Yeah. Uh, God, it's, it's almost the end of the week. Let's get something done today. Yeah, it sounds great. And, you know, today's no different. We're going to talk about a great topic about how to act as a witness, what witnesses should think about. You know, we often catch ourselves in these podcasts talking about the law, talking about, you know, what you know strategies you employ about the law and fighting. And, and today's a great one because we'll talk about do's and don'ts of being a witness. And I think that's a good one simply because it's not necessarily legal advice. This is really good, just experiential stuff. You know, you've, you've done enough of it. I've done enough of it. And uh, it's just good tips. So let's just jump right into it. Because, you know, we're, our watchers should get some paper out and a pen and take some notes because uh, let's talk about their role as a witness. And let's kind of go through um, a few do's and obviously a don't. So wh- where do they start with their role as a witness? Well, the important thing to remember in family law in particular is that you're the star witness of your case in in almost all of them. There are some circumstances where you won't be the big star witness where uh, you'll need to sit back. Um, But those are kind of the exception. In most cases, you're the best resource for your case. You have the best information. You have the best testimony to give. Uh, But it's also important to know what that role is. You're not always the entirety of your case. So there are some times where you'll have uh, maybe an expert witness or, or somebody with better firsthand knowledge of a particular issue in your case, and you need to know uh, where to draw the line with your testimony. Uh, for example, if there's a therapist or a psychiatrist involved who's going to come in and talk about the particular mental state of a child or one of the parties, you don't want to try to substitute your lay opinion testimony for their expert position. Uh, you want them to be able to shine on that on that. Uh, particular issue so you don't want to kind of overtake their role and then they're so and i get it they're anxious they know their case better than we do possibly obviously they lived it and they want to say their piece and they want to as you suggest they want to substitute you know how they feel emotionally for someone who could probably you know we could get it better from them and i and it is part of our job your job is to help control our client Uh, But that starts with preparation. I can tell you, I know some lawyers that don't prepare their clients and I just love it because I know that I can take their client in a direction they don't want to go. So preparation, let's go through the same thing. Some things to think about that you should be doing and some things that you shouldn't be doing in preparation. Of course, Scott. And the, the absolute do in this case is sit down with your attorney and prepare your testimony. Go over every detail of your case. Go over what needs to come up in the courtroom, what needs to be left out of the courtroom, because sometimes there's some of those. Uh, and absolutely do review the materials of your case, the the notes that you've sent your attorney, the communications, any documents that are going to be used as evidence. Don't skip over those. And 
Also, don't try to script or memorize your testimony. A prepared statement on the stand is going to come across as disingenuous and not credible. Your testimony should be coming from your personal knowledge, your personal experience. It should absolutely be informed by your knowledge. It should not be something that's scripted, particularly not your attorney scripting it for you. That's not their role. Their role is to prepare you. Their role is to go over what you're meant to prove, not to uh, prepare a list of written statements, because that's going to make you seem disingenuous. It's going to make you less credible in the eyes of a judge. Yeah. You know, I think it is a little bit cautious in that preparation, simply because clients may tend, as you suggest, that, you know, I know this, I don't need to think about it. I don't need to collect my thoughts. I'm just going to go out on the stand and ramble. And they often do. And I think that's the the danger. Uh, but also the positive of preparing is I'd like to bring clients into the office and ask them some questions. And I don't want it to be scripted, but I want to hear how they're going to react. And I always remind them about how to, you know, to answer certain questions about answer only what's been asked. But I think the most important thing, obviously, is being truthful as much as you can and not trying to portray yourself in a light that is you know, maybe that a judge is going to read right through it and so will opposing counsel. That's got to be a big one. So honesty, Scott, is is everything in the courtroom, not only being honest, but making sure that it's clear that you are being honest. So one of the big, big do things on the stand when you're a witness in your case is to be truthful, even when it's not flattering, even with what we call bad facts. There may be something embarrassing in your case. Who doesn't have something that they're embarrassed about, particularly in, in their marriage or in their role as a parent? Uh, so it's important that you be truthful with that. And your attorney will prepare you on how to present that in the the light that is the least embarrassing and the least damaging to your case. But trying to hide that or cover it up, it's going to come to light eventually. And if you don't put it out there in the best way possible and in an honest way, that's going to come back to haunt you. So don't try to hide or embellish something that's not particularly flattering presented in a way that's strategic and honest and in the light most favorable to your case. Yeah, I always have said this for, you know, this is my 31st year of practice. And there aren't a set of facts that I feel like I can't handle for my client, you know, other than child abuse and significant spousal abuse issues. Uh, And there's some others, obviously. But the point is, is that don't be afraid. Let's share it. Let's own it. Let's, let's take advantage of it. And that way the judge is going to see the personal touch that, hey, okay, this person, they are repentant, whatever it is, they've taken steps to to correct whatever that behavior may be. And that leads to obviously the most, one of the more important things is um, how the judge perceives you on the stand or at your next year attorney. I, I always think of this one example of a demeanor. I had a client, very wealthy very successful uh, orthopedic surgeon who during the trial uh, started, it was reading a magazine rather than paying attention. He was reading a magazine. It was private aviation. And I'm thinking the issue in the case was money and paying spousal support. And I'm thinking, I see the judge eyeballing, you know, okay, no one in that room is reading private aviation other than you. And the judge makes a 10th of what you make. So you now just angered the only jury in the room, that one person. So demeanor is huge, right? Demeanor is is a, a big thing. And there are a few jurisdictions where sometimes you have a jury trial in family law. That's kind of the exception rather than the rule. It's particularly magnified in a jury situation. But even a judge, uh, professional and as objective as they may be, it's naturally human to pick up on um, 
negative aspects of somebody's demeanor when they're being disrespectful or dismissive, um, or they're just coming across as plain rude. Uh, that's that's a big problem uh, for your case and for you. It's okay to get emotional. It's normal to be a little emotional in family law. These things hit right at our hearts. Uh, but it's important that you uh, develop some personal coping strategies. You learn how to keep yourself calm and collected. And in most cases, it's perfectly okay to need a break from time to time. And your attorney will know when it's appropriate to ask for that. Uh, so it's important not to let your emotions take over and to take a break if need be. It's okay to get emotional. It's just not okay for that to completely consume your case and to de- derail you from what you're trying to present. Yeah. Next on is uh, answering questions. And I think if anyone watched the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, I was more enamored with uh, I, you know, the, the attorney's presentation and how they handled their, their own clients and cross-examination. I just remember distinctly Amber Heard on cross-examination kind of violating the golden rule of only answer the question asked of you. And she went you know, even further in this one moment where she said something about uh, Johnny Depp's previous uh, partners or girlfriends about you know falling down the stairs. And, and you just saw the attorneys light up for Johnny Depp because now Amber Heard opened the door to something that would never have come in because she thought, I'm just going to get more evidence because I know my case best. And it was way outside the scope of the question asked. So do's and don'ts when asking questions or answering questions, that's a big one. Yeah, Scott, this is this is big. Um, do listen to the question that's asked carefully. Do take the time you need to answer um, and make sure you're answering what was asked. And I, I think your example with Amber Heard is she she didn't quite answer the questions that were asked. She kind of wandered a little far afield. And I'm sure her, her lawyer was kind of cringing a little bit because I'm sure they prepared for that. And maybe she just kind of lost her way a little bit. Do feel comfortable saying, I don't know, or can you rephrase that? Or um, I don't quite understand the question. I, I run into this one a lot of times. It doesn't have to be a celebrity trial. You run into people who don't feel comfortable just saying, I don't know, or can you rephrase that? And when they try to guess or speculate, which you really shouldn't do, that's where you can cause damage to your case because that's when you start giving inaccurate or misleading information uh, because you didn't understand the question, but you felt you had to get a substantive answer out there. Yeah. And I think that is, it. it is, it, it's natural. People get nervous. They forget the preparation. I'm sure that's what happened with her. You know, the one question I have a lot of clients that, are, that give them the most stress is cross-examination by opposing counsel. How do I prepare? What do I do? What don't I do? What should I be thinking about? But again, it all leads back to this preparation of, I'm going to put you through the ringer on what I think they're going to ask you, and I'm going to try to push you and see how you react and prepare you. But do's and don'ts on cross, that's a big one that people should be thinking about right now. Of course, and cross-examination is a very stressful thing. You've got this adverse attorney who's coming up, and he's going to push you, and sometimes they'll try to push your buttons and get you really emotional. And that's where you know keeping your demeanor calm and collected comes in. So with cross-examination, you want to keep your answers clear and responsive, you want to take your time. You don't want to rush your answer and you want to make sure that you're answering honestly, because if you've prepared correctly and if you've thought it through, you're going to be in a position where you're not going to get tripped into giving an inconsistent answer. You're not going to make yourself sound less credible, but you need to take the time and keep the cool head to do that. And another thing that, that happens a lot with cross-examination is a good lawyer is going to try to get you caught up in the rhythm of their questioning. They're going to try to lead you down a path that you don't really want to go. 
don't get caught up in that rhythm. It's okay to slow down, take a breath and take your time to answer. And it's okay to kind of break out of that rhythm where they're trying to get you. Yes, yes, no questions. And they're trying to throw you off your game. So step outside of that, take your time and then answer. Yeah. And I think is yeah, try not to make assumptions and guess where they're going and try to analyze where the attorney's going. It's more of taking your time. I love that is you're not in a hurry. It's it, there's this old adage about, you know, the baseball game can't keep going and strikes and balls can't be called until the pitcher throws the ball and the pitcher's in control. You're in control to some extent by the pace at which you answer your questions and just say, sit there. I always say, take a big breath. That gives you an opportunity. Or if you need to think more about it, you respond, could you refer or repeat that question for me? And then that gives you a little bit more time to think about what you need to say, which leads into, you know, how you behave, how you de- your demeanor. I've always said, appearance and presentation is a lot when it comes to representing guys in divorce. I was reminded of, uh, I saw uh, a recent trial where it was a criminal defendant and there was a witness that was one of like her best friend who was testifying against her. And here she is, gets caught flipping the bird to this witness, but rubbing her nose by, you know, with the middle finger. And it was very obvious. She was flipping this, this person, the bird, and the judge caught it. And the judge I think held her in contempt for doing so. So, you know, how your body language comes across, you know, there's a balance between being stone cold, crazy, you know, flailing about how this is so untruthful. You know, where is that delicate balance about, because a judge is watching you or, or a jury in Texas or Georgia, they're watching your, your, your body language. They want to know who do we believe? Of course, body language is big and it's a, it's a key part of your presentation when you go into court. So it's really important that you you do sit upright. You maintain eye contact with either the attorney who's asking the questions or the judge or jury finder of fact, um, and, and you're focusing on the person speaking. Now, you don't want to slouch. You don't want to fidget. You don't want to read a magazine about private jets in a case where finances are a big question. And it, it should go without saying, but I'll say it anyway. You really shouldn't be making rude gestures at anyone in the courtroom. Um, and little outbursts are a problem too. It's it's an emotional thing. It's the temptation is to to express yourself in some way, but it's very important that in. Johnny Depp, Amber Heard is a good example. Johnny Depp did a great job of sitting there calmly, keeping himself collected. His body language didn't really give anything away from the portions of the trial that I saw. And that's a good study in how to do it is to sit there calmly collected. It's okay to get a little emotional. It's not okay to express it in a rude way. Yeah, I think that is true. You know, you think of all these criminal trials, uh, the Murdaugh watching his, you know, expressions, it was too much where, you know, he's crying and it almost seems scripted and acted. And then, you know, I think demeanor, like I, you mentioned, I, in, uh, early in my career, I did civil litigation jury trial work and I had a, a doctor on the stand. It was a patent uh, uh, case where we were uh, are suing each other over a patent and who owned it. Uh, and I pulled the jury afterwards and the jury did not like our doctor witness, he sat on the stand and he had his glasses in his mouth and almost just looking at them, they thought he was, he felt like that he was better than them. You know, he kind of had it in his mouth, that little action of taking your glasses off, putting it in your mouth, it really inflamed the jury. They're like, well, he's no better than us. And it's those things and the littlest of thing can sway a judge or a jury from your demeanor. So it is about you know, understanding how you look and being very careful about it, which leads into kind of our final topic, 
which is your attorney has a role here in all of this witness and how you prepare and how you testify and kind of the do's and don'ts when you think about what you should do with your attorney. Absolutely, Scott. And um, in any in any family law case, you should be getting an attorney early, very early in the case, because the longer they're on the case, the more prepared they're going to be when you come to an evidentiary hearing, particularly a trial in a divorce or a custody matter. So that familiarity is simply invaluable in a case. And for all of these topics that we've talked about today, this is something where your attorney will be able to prepare you, give you more specific advice. Um, working together from start to finish, they're going to pick up on where your weaknesses may lie in the in the courtroom and where your strengths lie. Yeah. And they're going to help you build around those, help you strategize around those, help you compensate for some of your weaknesses and help your strengths really come out and shine. So like I said earlier, preparation is a huge part of this. So spend time preparing with your attorney multiple times throughout the case. They'll get familiar with it. They'll get familiar with you. And the biggest don't in this whole thing is assuming that you and your attorney understand your case the same way without taking that time to prepare. You need to talk through the facts. You need to talk through the evidence. And you need to understand what's waiting ahead of you at this hearing so that your attorney can guide you through it in the best way possible. Yeah. I mean, you're paying your lawyer. So you should demand preparation. You should demand a meeting, get on the same page. It's look, if you were getting treated by a physician and you were having some doubts about the course of treatment and the plan, you'd want to meet with your doctor and say, Hey, can you walk this through me or with me again? I want to make sure we're on the same page, understand the positives and negatives, the outcomes, what's the long-term plan. Look, you're paying good money for a lawyer, utilize it. Make sure you're comfortable as you would be with your doctor. That's just so huge. Um, all of this information, you know, you can have the best facts and the law and still lose because of any of these don'ts that you just enumerated. It's just very clear that behavior, judges are derailed by emotion. And I know that's your experience, Christian, because judges can just go off because they don't like your client. My worst story, Scott, about bad presentation was we had a great custody case. All the facts were on our side, but the judge didn't find my client credible because she had an unusual um, verbal tick. And that was when she wanted to correct herself or, or change something she was saying. Her verbal tick was she'd say, I'm sorry, I lied. And then she would correct her testimony. And I know she didn't mean that she literally lied, but it it's hard not to find somebody not credible when they're literally saying, I lied about their testimony. And that's an easy, easy thing to fix. Well, it's not an easy thing to fix, but it's something that if fixed can make a big difference. Um, But that never really came out in our preparation. She didn't, she didn't speak that way. And it just suddenly came out on the stand. And that was very, very frustrating for her and for me. Yeah. There's a, there's some words that make me cringe. And I always talk to my clients about it. And they, the people say that it is a nervous tick to fill the gap. When they're answering a question, they'll say, to be honest, as if other things are a lie, but this one, I'm going to be honest with you. And that just, you know, it, it's filler that is unnecessary. It's like the words, um, like, uh, things that, that really distract. But to be honest is one of my pet peeves. I try to tell clients never use the words to be honest in a deposition, in trial, because it makes the person think, oh, well, what, this one's real? You know, it's like your example. It's right spot on. So good stuff. Christian, great to do's and don'ts and something on witness preparation. It's so pivotal and so critical to be put yourself in a chance to attain your goals. So thanks for uh, providing that today and joining. Well, thanks for giving me the chance to chat with you, Scott. I look forward to doing it again someday.
Well, sounds good. If you want more information like Christian gave to you, give us a call at 866-DADS-LAW. Find us on the web at cordellcordell.com. Search us on social media. Check out our YouTube channel. It's filled with podcasts and virtual town halls just like that. And speaking of virtual town halls, coming up in the month of June, we're not going to be celebrating Father's Day just on one weekend. We're going to be celebrating it all month long and the entire month of June we're going to do something called Father's Fridays. So every Friday in the month of June, we're going to be providing fathers with resources that they need when they're dealing with their kids, not just in divorce, but before divorce, during divorce, after divorce, real positive uplifting things. And hopefully we'll have some giveaways as well. So find out, tune into social media to get more information coming up in June to our virtual town halls on Father's Fridays the entire month of June. But if you need to schedule a consultation, you can go to our website at cordellcordell.com. You can schedule it right there without even picking up the phone. Plug in your zip code. You'll find an office near you with available times, just a few clicks, and you can get in best use of your time. So until next time, we'll see you again in June for Father's Friday, celebrating all month. Check us out. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. And until next time, have a great week. <music>